Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the Cabragal clan of the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land we are meeting on today. We also pay our respects to the elders, both past and present and future of the Darug Nation. A couple points that really made me think is that there's over 80% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are in support of The Voice, but only the singular individuals who are the outlier in this are getting the media attention. Because mm. I think at the moment, the, the No Camp is probably leading the way yeah. in media, um, particularly some, some leaders who may not be for it and things like that. And a lot of people that I've, that I've heard from going, oh, I don't know if I should vote for the, I should vote for yes or no, because I hear that like First Nations people are not in support of The Voice. Yeah. But that's not really true. Yeah. Because over 80% are. Mm. Hi friends, welcome to our podcast, A Seat at Our Table. Candid conversations about the creative pursuits of Asian Australians. I'm Tracy. I'm Wendy. We, we saved your seat. seat. Come, Come join us. us. Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It's Wendy and I here. I feel like it's been a while since we've done a little solo episode of just Wendy and I, so mm-hmm. we're very excited to be chatting just amongst ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> catching up, even though we always catch up, yeah. but I think... We have a little family now that we need to keep informed. <laughs> yeah, so I think today's episode is going to be very exciting. But before we kind of get into the juicy topic and the topic of today, let's catch up. Like, how are we? What have we been up to? Any major life updates? Because it's been a few months, I think, since Wendy and I have talked to the microphone about our yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> and all of you. Yeah. You need to think about what I've been doing these past couple of months. Yeah. It's September now. Yeah, it feels wild. Isn't that that weird? We're out of winter, you know, out of hibernation-ish. Yeah. I feel like my life has been like pretty much same, same. I think the big thing that changed was probably finishing um, like our volleyball tournament. Yep. Which we were training once a week for, but also like playing on the Sunday for. I feel like that made like a a big part of my life until recently. Yeah, that's true. It felt like from January to August, that was like the volleyball season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Work-wise, I feel like everything's the same, but Mm. excitingly, I Mm. think this is like a very pivotal moment in my career. Um, If you are in the industry, you probably know about like good design awards. Um, It's like, I guess, very well-recognized awards for projects that you do. So if you win an award, it's a very big deal. So two of my first projects at Future Friendly won a good design award. Um, It's the green tick one. And they were both really like important projects to me. One was for Lifeline um, and one was for ComBank's like investing integration into the main ComBank app. So yeah, that was like super exciting. She's got the whole like what do you call it is it a trophy yeah like i bought i bought an additional <laughs> oh, copy of the trophy brought it onto the- oh i don't oh, have yeah. it yet i don't have it yet but then i'll, oh, true, I'll put a picture of yep. it up here um but my team also won good design team of the Amazing. year which was like the biggest shock to us so i bought the trophy it was like 400 bucks yeah um to commemorate like all those memories like me starting at future friendly us winning good design team of the year and i feel like that's like a major milestone. Yeah, and you flew to life. Melbourne for that too. Yeah, yeah. Your first award to ceremony as well. Like, yeah, how exactly. was how was the experience? It was actually really, really good. Like, yeah. I was expecting like really like shitty food, not a great venue. Oh, people say food is bad. Is it bad? At award ceremony? It's like yeah, it's apparently better than ICC in Sydney, um, which is where okay. last year's one was yeah. held. 
Like, I was pleasantly surprised. I think because my expectations were really low. Yeah. But the ceremony is so long because yeah. there's just so many awards to give out. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that's, like, a nice little, like, yeah, sparkle moment in my career. Oh, <laughs> little shiny medal. Yeah. Or, yeah. How about you? Um, What have I been up to? So I've just been, like, you know, post, like, COVID hibernation, you know, I was resting all of this year. And then now I'm, like, it's my time to shine. I'm living my best life. Like I'm yeah. going out a lot um, because I want to. It's been great. It's we're still in September, so my team at work at, and I were doing September. Oh yeah. So I'm walking heaps, trying to hit like a ten thousand k steps, ten thousand steps a day. So a lot of outdoor activity. So I'm doing. I'm back at basketball, guys. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> another sport. I know another sport added. Like we took a year off basketball. Well, I took a year off basketball because my knee injury. And then volleyball season started. So I had it clashed with basketball and I chose volleyball over basketball. Sorry, friends. <laughs> but now that volleyball season is um, officially over. Officially over. We're still playing socially. I'm still playing volleyball mm. like three times a week. But um, I'm back at basketball now. So that's been really fun. And also realizing how like much cardio you need to play basketball. Oh God, I feel like. I feel like I've got asthma when I play <laughs> Like not being running like that for so long yeah. and going back onto the court. I was like, guys, can't breathe. Sum me out now. Like yeah. I can't. Yeah. So it's been fun kind of getting that runner's high again from nice. playing basketball. Um, catching up with a lot of friends. I recently saw Ronnie Cheng mm-hmm. um, live. It's quite good. Very funny. Um, what else is happening? Going to Japan. This episode's been released a week before I go to Japan. So um, at the moment, we're trying to finalize all our Japan kind of itinerary and things like that. So, mm. yeah, I'm very excited. I'm so excited for summer. Like, Me too. Everyone's just happier. The vibes are good. The energy's up. Like, I think it's good. Um, I have to say this winter felt harder than last year. Really? Yeah. I think because I'm just going out more. Mm. Whereas last year I was like still kind of at home and I was like setting up my new apartment. So I was like here a lot. Yeah. But then having to go out, like you're feeling the difference in the temperature and like going to the office more. I was like, oh, I hate winter. Oh yeah. 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 I thought it was easier for me, maybe because I was still working from home Yeah. and winter was a bit warmer. I felt this year. Um, Excitingly as well, I've got a birthday party coming up. (laughs) Her birthday party is like what three months late. <laughs> it's a it's a what are you calling it? Like it's, it's with a her birth- good friend a Ruby. birthday bash, a birthday yeah. party. So my birthday was in July. Our friend Ruby's birthday is in November. We're like, oh, we'd love to do a joint party at some point. And we're like, oh, should we do a combined birthday party in September, the middle month between our our birthdays? Super random. So we're doing a little big bash before we go to Japan. Yeah, yeah. it's actually the day that. This episode comes out. <laughs> so once the episode is released, um, you may be listening to this on the evening of the 23rd, but we will be partying. Yeah, we'll be partying. Um, <laughs> also, very exciting news. Wendy and I are going to Melbourne next week for oh, yeah. a event. So The Mavens um, is a publication, I guess, within the advertising industry championing gender equality. And they like we're fe- we're being featured we're being featured yeah. in their magazine in a printed magazine guys like for me as a designer that is so exciting I love, yeah yeah that's like a dream come true guys like being our faces and our words are going to be in a print magazine that people will buy and read and hold and touch like yeah yeah it's pretty incredible so yeah. we're going to the launch on the 21st of september which will be on the thursday so Look out for updates um, of us, like maybe doing an unboxing of like oh, the magazine yes. um, and maybe talking a little bit about like 
the questions we were asked. Yes. Yeah. So check yeah. all that. And also like out. a huge shout out and thank you to like literally the community and our network that has given us this opportunity. Like it's such a long winded way, but we met somebody. Like, so Josiah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Josiah. Shout out to Lynn. Shout out to Leah. Yeah. So these three people have been very pivotal in us being featured in this magazine yeah. and it literally just came from us doing the podcast someone going you should speak to this person and they went you should speak to this mm. person and then they suddenly there was, was like full circle full circle opportunity yeah. to be featured in a magazine and it happened really really quickly like we didn't expect it at all so i think like taking the moment now to yeah. really let it sink in that yeah. this is a really big moment for us yeah in the podcast yes yeah Yay! Um, also, uh, I guess before we jump into the actual topic of today, we would love for like any loyal listeners, if you love what you hear, if you love, you know, this podcast, please let us know by hitting the follow button and leaving us a five-star rating. That really helps us kind of get feedback on mm. what we're doing well in and that you guys are listening. <laughs> yeah. And then apart from that, if you want to send us like a DM with like your feedback, that's always welcome as well. Like we can only improve this podcast if we know what we're doing well versus not doing mm-hmm. so well and um, start experimenting with some different approaches. As yeah. Well. And the best part is re- like receiving feedback from yeah. people and like, like, where are you listening in from? Yeah. When do you listen to our podcast? What do you validation. love listening to? Like, just let us know. <laughs> Give us validation. Yeah, if you like us, please let us know. <laughs> um but yeah. Yeah. On to the episode. On to the episode. So we have a really important episode that we are going to be doing today. So as I'm sure you all know, the Voice to Parliament referendum is coming up on the 14th of October. So coming up real soon. So in a month or oh, half a month. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, yeah, essentially. In a couple yeah. of weeks. And what we wanted to do was have an episode where we chat about politics and the importance of voting. I think politics can be a really intimidating topic, especially for people like me or like you who weren't always engaged with it from a very young age. And sometimes like I grew up avoiding the topic of politics altogether Mm -hmm. because it's very intimidating. So we really wanted to have an episode to talk about our experience with increasing our political literacy, our ongoing process of learning, becoming better and more informed voters and the importance of that. In this episode, we're not going to be teaching you about the voice or teaching you about politics. Like we're not experts in this field. We have no right to be teaching you anything, but we just want to talk about our personal experience Mm -hmm. and how we've engaged with politics through the years. Yeah. Um, And we'll also obviously touch on our stance on the voice at the very end of the episode. And I think it's really important to tune into. So please do stay till the end and hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah. So to start... Um, do you feel anxious or confident talking about politics and why? Hmm. I think I used to be anxious talking about politics. I feel like probably I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but like probably from like high school through almost to like first year, second uni, I was always like, I'm not into politics. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people said that when we were growing up. I'm just not into politics, but like. I feel so embarrassed that I even ever said that. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, what do you mean yeah. you're not into politics? <laughs> like, yeah. You're a citizen of Australia and the world. You should be into politics, you yeah. know? And I think for me, it was just more so the way to avoid talking about it because mm. I didn't understand it. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, political issues. I don't understand that. I don't know what policy is. I don't know what the government is. Like, still now, there's still so much that I need to learn. But I think I grew up being quite not, I don't know if it's, I don't know, anxious, probably anxious when the, yeah. like if you're in a group with uni students or something and they start talking about like politics, I'll be mm. like, oh my God, I cannot contribute. I cannot understand what they're talking about. 
So I would avoid it because I didn't understand it. Yeah. And I want, didn't want to sound stupid. Yeah. I think it's the pressure of trying to be politically correct mm. as well. Yeah. I feel, I feel that pressure, especially in uni when you're yeah. meeting people and you're like starting to become an adult. Yeah. So you're like, okay, this is an adult conversation yes. that a lot of people are going to have. So you're going to have to have like point of view. And I feel like based on what you were saying, I really relate to, you know, that cop out answer of like, I'm not into politics. I have nothing to say about this. Yeah. So I'm not going to contribute. Yes. But I do think like reflecting on that now, like, like you said, it's embarrassing to have yeah. like, to say that. Yeah. Cause it's like, we could have done a lot to, I guess, educate ourselves mm-hmm. Or even just asking questions or admitting, like, I don't know a lot about this topic, but I want to learn. Yes. That's a totally different mindset than, like, completely shying away. Like, ignoring it and shying away from it. Yeah. 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 But I think, yeah, definitely now as we're growing older, it's only when you get older and you're more mature that you realize the importance of voting Mm. and the importance of understanding what the heck's going around in parliament and around you as well. And... I, I feel now I feel a little bit more confident talking about politics. Even, you know, even doing this episode has been like a little bit intimidating, a little bit un- uncomfortable yeah. because we're like, who are we to talk about politics, you know? Yeah. But it's more so our experience. So I think it's it's a nice journey that we've been on. Yeah. That we're now able to be in a spot where even if we're not fully confident about it, we still feel brave enough to talk about it. Yeah. And I think that was the whole point of having this episode as a part of our plan or having this topic even embedded in you know, what we're doing as a part of this podcast. Cause I think every episode that we do, it's a learning journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is obviously a little bit more intense cause it's kind of like, Ooh, a little bit controversial. <laughs> right. Um, but I think it's like what you were saying, like, this is more so what our personal experiences have been, how we have gone on the journey to become a little bit more confident yeah. in it as well. Yeah. Before we go into that journey, like has your Asian Australian upbringing affected your view of politics? Yeah, for sure. I think um, it hasn't influenced it in the way that's like, oh, my parents had really strong opinions about who to vote for and kind of interrogating the situation that we're in or the parties that are involved. Like we've always voted for Labour. Yeah. Like growing up, my parents would bring like me or my sisters along to voting so that we could do it kind of like for them because like they just couldn't understand like it's really complex right like the sheets that you get like the boxes you have to tick like it didn't make any sense to them and I think once they understood what the formula was of voting for labor that was kind of like the the narrative that I adopted as well Mm. or the the view that I adopted you know those sheets as well it's also scary like knowing we know our parents and how they didn't understand it's very overwhelming like not understanding what to do and you know how like the campaigners they provide like the pamphlets yeah. pamphlets that's already like this tick, is what tick yeah. this tick that tick yeah. that because it's like based on what they the outcome they want and i was yeah. like it's scary to think that like you might have someone who doesn't speak english someone who's like a new citizen or whatever who doesn't understand the political system they walk in they get a pamphlet and say like, oh just tick this and that yeah it and depends not, on not who even can, know, like what yeah. they're ticking for yeah, yeah for sure um so i think like we my parents just learned that like the Labour Party generally are probably more favorable towards like people like us, yeah. like low SES backgrounds. They're probably going to look into government welfare more like that's more of their focus. Right. Whereas if you vote for liberals, they're more in favor of like middle class people and like businesses. Yeah. That's always the, the lens that I saw things yes. in. So it was always like just vote for Labour. And I think where we lived in Southwest Sydney was always predominantly a, a Labour Party winning. Yes. A seat. Yeah. So. 
that's kind of the, the narrative I always told myself and I never really questioned it mm. until like I moved yeah. out of um, Cabramatta. So it's been an interesting journey in that sense, but just growing up, I never really questioned it. I was kind of like, this is who we always vote for, so I'm going to vote for them. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think a lot of my views of politics definitely came from my parents' view of it. And like similarly, I didn't understand anything about the political system, but they're always like, just vote Labour, just go vote Labour. Like That's mm. the narrative that I was always told. And then also feeling like I wasn't educated enough to have an opinion on politics because I never got taught politics growing up. Yeah. Because our parents don't come from this country. They come from a completely different world with different politics, different governments. So coming into Australia, they don't understand the system. So we didn't grow up being taught the system Mm. of voting. So I think that was the reason why as a young person, I never felt brave or confident enough to talk about politics because I literally had zero clue. That was blank. In my mind, blank. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think like we, I think a lens to put on this is also like, caring about it and being Mm. invested in it i think we never had a reason to completely care about it or be really invested in it especially when we were young and growing up right apart from the fact that maybe you were taught things in school yeah but then that stuff never stuck because it's just like you're being taught these things you're not being taught how to interrogate you're never being taught how to have an opinion about something or how to like you know pick sides based on like the research that you're doing or the knowledge that you have so I feel like it was always just kind of like set in stone for yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. Just given the the perspectives that our parents had. And I think for my parents too, like their view on like government in Vietnam versus in Australia is so different because it's yeah. like, I think in Vietnam it's like, there's a lot of mistrust That's true. in the government. Yeah. So coming here and like starting your life from scratch basically. And the government is granting you like citizenship yeah. and whatnot. Like, I think there's a lot more trust in that inherently they don't really question yeah exactly yeah yeah so then i don't feel like they don't know what like corruption in government yeah in the context of australia is. yeah yeah that's true though you put it that way like the our political issues are probably like for them they're like this doesn't even matter like it was Mm. literally life or death where they came from yeah so this is 10 times better (laughs) yeah this is 10 times better why are we complaining yeah yeah like why do we have to be engaged in politics if Mm. what we have is pretty good yeah and i thought i think they focus on just like assimilating to the system that they've been given because it's probably 10 times better than what they already have yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so what has your journey been like where have you learned all your political education or your political knowledge if it wasn't for your from your parents um earliest thing i can remember honestly is you know, I don't know if your school did this. In primary school, we visited the Parliament camp, House. We went to Canberra. Camp, yeah, we Canberra, went to Canberra. Camp, <laughs> camp, camp. We did a camp to Canberra. Camp Canberra. Yeah. Um, we visited the Parliament House. And I don't even remember doing that. I just remember, like, the trip in itself. Yeah. And that is as early as I can think back to. Yeah. Even in high school, doing things like modern history, like, none of that is coming to me now. Yes. Like, I've tried to think about it deeper. I was like, did I even learn anything about, like, the Australian government? Like, I don't think they, I don't think so. Did they? I don't, yeah, I don't no. think they did. Not in high school. Yeah, because I think the topics that we focused on were like the World War. I feel like they assumed we had that knowledge from primary school, but yeah. like, how do you retain that knowledge when you're like eight? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and it's like I think when we were taught things in high school as well, it's this is a bit of a tangent, but I think like things are being taught to you, mm-hmm. but you're not being taught to form an opinion. Yeah, or that's to, true to even interrogate the things that 
the laws that people are yeah. wanting to put in place or like, you know, the things that they're promising. Or to know why it's important to even learn these yeah. things and why am I being taught this? Like we weren't really given reasons for why. So it's like some people just don't even retain it. Yeah. And I think the education system is built like that. So it's like, this is the fact. This is what you need to learn. Yeah. This is what you need to, like how you need to respond yeah. to the question in your exam. And that's it. Yeah. So we're never taught like about how voting works. Mm-hmm. We're never taught about what do we need to do as Australian citizens once you hit 18. Exactly. You yeah. know, we're never taught about like, why have these things been designed yeah. the way that they have? Yeah. Like you know? my earliest memory, like my only memory is that, yeah, we get taught that when you're in year six. Is that year six or year five? Year yeah. six. Yeah, year six. I in year six. And then they don't really talk about it again. Yeah. And then you just can't retain. I just, uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like that ma- that module maybe would be good to have another one in high school. Yeah, like a continuation. Yeah, that. a continuation or like in year 12 when people mm. are approaching their voting age, refresh refresh it, refresh the education. Like especially mm. for people from low SES backgrounds like we were, mm. we're not getting that education from our, our family or our parents. The only way we're getting it is from schools or our own research but as like a 17 year old i'm not going to go out and go what is politics yeah <laughs> and if it's not a priority in our family and not a priority you know at school then where else are we getting that information yeah um but yeah like a lot of articles that we read is they say that many young people are interested in political issues but they are uncertain how the system works mm. many high school graduates like us we recall politics being covered in pr- primary or early secondary school but it wasn't extended to year 12 and I guess the whole thing is that young people need the support when they're approaching a voting age yeah. to get up to speed. So, yeah, like, I guess the question is, like, do you feel like school prepared us enough? And Not I don't at all. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about it now. Like, was there a subject around, like, things like policy, yeah, for example? Know. Like, policy design is something that's up and coming in, like, the industry that I'm in as, like, something that is so important that influences Yeah obviously the outcomes of people's lives, what they can access and whatnot. But I didn't know about any of that until like now when I'm like 27, which was like so late in the game. Right. And if you can build a, I guess a learning curriculum around it and empower people to want to be interested in that, I think it's going to change like even just representation in Mm -hmm. politics as well, which is a really big issue because I don't think like for us, we ever considered a, like nobody comes out of high school being like, I want to work for the government. Yeah. You know? At well, least like not in our school. Yeah. It's like really unlikely. Yeah. yeah. But then there are students who do go into policy, studying policy yeah. in at university. You know what I mean? So there are, there must, there are pathways into it, but maybe certain demographics. Yeah. But I think for our schooling, like no one really talked about that stuff at all. No. Like we had like cross, crossroads. What was, was that? that? <laughs> Oh my yeah, god, I read yeah, so yeah. much crossroads. Like they have like crossroads? that module where they teach you about like driving safety and like oh, drug safety. When we went things. to that thing at Olympic Park where there was like the really intense like um Oh my god, show. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it, like people like other people who went to high school in Sydney. Like they show a car through, crash. Yeah, it was like a full on performance about a car crash and had a deal with these things because i think at the time a lot of people were getting their license or yes. about to so they felt like you know it's very timely yeah but it was like really really emotional apparently yeah but then why don't we, why can't we have that for voting as well you know yeah. a lot of people are approaching their voting age in year 12 we could have a module on voting and policy and the government yeah i feel like it's a life skill that yeah. you need to have yeah because it's an obligation as an australian citizen that you need to vote exactly yeah and some people were like oh like 
it's just become a chore for them. Yeah, like, but it's oh. a privilege, guys. In yeah. other countries, you can't even have a say in yeah. influencing the government. Exactly. Um, so I think we talk about, obviously, the importance of knowledge and knowledge being power. And I think understanding how the political and voting system works and learning about social issues, it allows us to be more actively involved and allows us to influence politics ourselves like we can actually create change as individuals by using our voting power Mm. so i want to talk about like what do we do personally to be more politically aware or educated now for me um just day to day i try and listen to the news so i listen to squiz and sometimes 7 a.m when they've got very particular like topics that i'm interested in and i think that just helps me stay on top of like what's happening day to day right um, but I think the important thing for me is trying to absorb this news from like a neutral news outlet. Mm-hmm. So not from like a particular media outlet that has more left or right wing views, because I kind of want to try and form my own opinion yeah. about things. It's so, hard though, right? Like, it I feel is like media hard. is so biased. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, things are so quick to pop up on like your socials and stuff now. So you like, you don't even have a second yeah. to form that opinion. Um, but yeah, I try and just read the news, stay on top of that so that I can also, I guess, facilitate discussions if it comes up at like work, yeah. for example. I think reading the news is such a great adult tip, like to be more interesting and to have, be able to engage in important conversations. If you just read the, like I make it a, a habit of mine to read the squiz, like a subscribe to the squiz newsletter. Mm, yeah. You get, you get the daily news in your inbox in a very interesting way and very engaging, casual, easy to understand, accessible way in your inbox. And I just make it a habit of reading it every morning before, like when I wake up, before I go to work. Yeah. On the train, you know, it takes like two minutes to read through all all the information. And it's very like educational. I feel like it makes people, like makes you an interesting, more interesting person. You get to go to work and talk about topics that people are talking about. Um, It just equips you with the tools yeah. to have those conversations. Yeah, for sure. You can even listen to it on the Squiz podcast okay, as yeah. well. Yeah. So I do that every morning if I'm on the train. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing that I do is interrogate how things are being delivered mm. through media as well. Not just like social media, but like when I moved out of home to my new local government area, I now get like mail, like pamphlets and stuff. Yeah. And I actually re- try and make an effort to read what the local council is doing because I don't know anything about this area and I don't know anything about like you know what's the majority I guess like party that wins the election or state election often so I wanted to kind of uh familiarize myself of like you know what are the predominant views Mm -hmm. of people living around this area what is the council doing to improve the lives of people around this area as well because I think um when I moved there was a state election so I was like oh I feel like I need to do my due diligence and actually read up on it Mm -hmm. so that I'm making a vote that feels informed rather than a chore yes so I think that's the big thing that I've been trying to do um and it's also it just so happened that my life changed and it was like a very apparent time where I needed to do those things whereas I think if like there wasn't a state election I probably wouldn't have been you'd be just collecting lacing about it yeah yeah yeah, exactly so I think it was like a really good pivotal time in my life where it kind of forced me into that mindset and yeah, I think it's just being a more involved like citizen. So an example recently um, was they wanted to open up a local rubbish tip, which is like five minutes from my house. I, I honestly didn't think anything of it because I didn't know the context of what was going to happen. 
But then um, the local residents around the area, they kind of started like protesting against it. They had like people at the station handing out pamphlets. My apartment block, someone put up like uh, instructions on how to write to the council. And I never thought about writing to the council because I was like, I'm just one voice. How much influence can I have? But I think that the issue around this was it was more about like power and numbers. And I I could see the whole like local, I guess, population kind of gathering around this one issue. And I was like, I'm going to like add to it because I do believe in what they were saying and the reasons for not building this local rubbish tip, you know. Um, So I was like, I think that really changed Mm. my mindset as well. So yeah, that was, I think it's like really, seeing other people take small actions and you go, Oh, I can do that too. Right. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be hard. Like I think learning about politics and being politically engaged, sometimes it might sound like, Oh, like I have to be, you know, an advocate to do that. But it's like, you can do it in other ways. Just reading, yeah. like, reading pamphlets. Like Wendy does, like that's something already. Yeah. yeah. It's like making a conscious effort to do your part, to stay more informed. Yeah. And then that will influence like the opinions that you have, you know, and like the way that you see the world as well, more broadly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think like another one for me is that researching things I don't understand, particularly before an election, before a vote, before a referendum, you know, whatever it is, like always ensuring that the vote that I'm making is informed and I can back it up. Mm. You know, you don't have to know all the ins and outs, all the details, but like when people are going... If you're voting this way, why are you voting this way? Are you voting that way because you just read all the media that everyone else is voting this way? Yeah. Like, what is your personal reason for voting that way? Like, I think it's so important for me to know my why and not have it influenced by other people and the media. Mm. And I think it starts with when I'm in the reading the media, like when I things I don't understand, researching it. Like, for example, when the voice referendum, there was a lot of talk about. There still is a lot of talk about mm. it, right? And a lot of people didn't know what it was. And my first step was just like, just Google it. Like, just, yeah. you know, if you don't know, just Google like what it is. Look at the government websites. I, I started listening to a podcast by the, oh, I want to say ABC or BCC. Sorry, one of those called The Party Room. And mm-hmm. they've got a series called The Voice Explained. Mm-hmm. And just simple things like it's just 15 minute episodes where they really talk about the basics of what The Voice referendum is and just you can do it on the train to work. You can walk, listen to it. Like it's just simple things that you can do to help you be more educated. Mm-hmm. Like that's my biggest thing. Like just do your research before you vote. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, what I also do is sharing the things I've learned with my friends and family as well. Like my family, my cousins and I have a Snapchat group. I know we're still using Snapchat. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why we're still using Snapchat. <laughs> but I only use it because we have a, it's just my cousins, we have a group. And when I first learned about the voice referendum i just know like oh the people around my lives are probably super busy and they're probably like some people may not be as engaged as i am so i just literally recorded a video explaining the things i learned yeah just so they were aware of it so just sharing these things with family and friends is important as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think like a lot of people shy away from that conversation with their friends because they're like oh what if we end up with like different views and like we're not got to be friends Mm. anymore you know like I think inevitably you're going to meet people who share views that you don't necessarily agree on but for me I always look to understand like the why behind why people have that view and you know if you have different views then that's fine you're allowed to have different views I think if it's 
backed up by like the right kind of logic exactly like, okay sure like you can have your own views i can have mine yeah like that's your truth yeah. but as long yeah. as you've got something to back it up with yeah rather than like just following the crowd mm-hmm. and just voting the way yeah people expect you to vote yeah i think is like it's really important to make that difference exactly yeah. yeah and you can also like do your part by educating people about like the process so it may not be like you don't want to like impose your views on them and how you want to vote but like and another example is like so again, I'm going to Japan with a bunch of my friends. We're going to be overseas during the voice referendum. Oh yeah, and it's actually this episode's going to ask for those who are actually going overseas for the voice referendum. Like, there's a couple of things you can do, which is I actually caught up the AEC because I mm-hmm. want to be super clear on how I can still vote whilst I'm overseas. And the tricky thing is that I'm flying out on the 30th of September. Mm. So you can do a postal vote, but the postal votes are being sent out from the 25th to the 26th of September. Mm -hmm. So because we're flying out on the 30th, it may not reach us on time. So we may be overseas when the time the postal vote gets to our household. So we have to like find a embassy or a consulate in Japan that we can vote, Mm -hmm. can vote in. And um, you can also, so you can do a postal vote or you can vote in person overseas. Most countries have, all countries have an Australian embassy that you can go and they're open like a week before the referendum day. Mm-hmm. So you can fit it in during your travels. But there's also a thing that you can do where you notify the government that you're going to be overseas. So in the off chance that you cannot get to a, a poll, a, a polling booth or whatever, they won't find you. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So... Like, for me, I'm definitely going to be voting no matter what. Like, I want to be engaged in this, um, in um, the vote. So I kind of just figure out what the process was. And then I just sent information to the group and was like, hey, this is what we need to do. One, two, three. These are the mm. things you need to form, fill out. So it's just like things like that. Like, small yeah. things like that. You can help get your people around you to also be engaged. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I would have just like, I think most people would realize super last minute and yeah. be like scrambling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I I was thinking back to were you overseas on exchange when the last when bit, the, um, the yes to marriage, to marriage equality, equality. Yes. yeah the marriage equality yeah. one happened as well. I don't even remember the process that I went through, but I did like a postal so did I, vote yeah, for that. Vote, yeah. And that was like really really important because it's something that I really cared about and I think maybe that was like the first time that I actually really engaged or went out of my That's way true. to to do something about it because I was like the normal procedure I would go through, it was out of my hands. Like I was going to be overseas. So I think it was the first time that I actually like engaged with doing some research and figuring out like, oh, what's the best option? But I think the learning from that is there's always going to be an option yes. for you yeah. to vote. Like you have the privilege to vote. I think you should yeah. make the most out of it, especially if it's something that's important to you. That's true. Like I think that, that marriage equality one was the first time I felt empowered enough to engage, yeah. super engaged with the com- the political information, the co- yeah. um, conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we also want to touch in this episode the importance of critical thinking, especially like with the rise of social media. We're in an age of misinformation and like fake news and like deep fakes and like, you know, AI generated social media accounts. (laughs) Like it's just a mess out there. And I think people are absorbing news through sites like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. But the content can be quite flawed, quite biased. You never know if the claims are verified, but they're so easily forwarded, shared, you know, commented on, and they get so much attention, Mm. right? And it's just so, the line between what is real and what isn't is so blurred. So I think it's just important for us to kind of keep that in mind and don't take what we read for face value. Like, is this anything that you kind of do that helps you 
be critical of what you read? I think I always have that um, at the back in the back of my mind. Like I'm reading this, but I can't take it for face value until I go and do a bit more research mm-hmm. and get other facts to help me build out like the story that I'm believing in. Um, I think when I was like obviously younger and didn't think about just the agendas of people behind the scenes, I would just believe what I read like on Instagram, for example. But I think now I am very, very conscious, like I said before, of what I'm ingesting, like what, what news outlets am I choosing to read and engage with? And I like to pick ones where they kind of just give you the facts and then you kind of, take from that what you will and then go and do your own research yeah. to fill in the gaps and then form like an opinion or a stance yes and like i i like that like i think the daily oz does that mm. they're just like this is the situation this is what you need to know you can go here to look for more information yeah yeah so i i really like engaging with those because it's not trying to sway my perspective in yeah. either way and i think that's really really important with more and more information being pushed at like a quicker rate yes. as well. And also yeah. like I feel like bad news or negative news is the news that gets the most attention as well. Yeah. So if you never hear about the good stuff. Like Yeah, good you news know? stories. Good news yeah. stories or like you always hear like the outlier opinion, like the one that's controversial and that gets so much traction on media and you don't hear like the real truth or like, you know, the more majority like perspective so it's kind of scary yeah (laughs) Yeah. I think the thing that I just thought of is you know during COVID yeah like our parents getting news the WeChat and the WhatsApp WeChat WhatsApp Facebook like they would choose to believe anything that they get (laughs) through those like social media outlets just because oh my friend posted about this so my friend told me this like my parents were never like that because my parents actually thinking about it now they listen to the radio Mm. in Chinese every morning um and I think they get most of their news from that I've never really heard my parents say like oh this is what I saw on Facebook so I'm choosing to believe in it my parents are more so like my mom has come to me and said like oh I saw this on Facebook is it true yeah that's you know and I think that's kind of influenced my mindset as well yeah um and being more conscious of like especially in times where you know fears were heightened people getting swayed so quickly yeah, and not just reading the headlines like read yeah. more beyond read beyond the headlines guys like keep reading yeah, yeah. Th- those headlines were built to like yeah. you know push a certain agenda so oh it's wild yeah um and actually an interesting point that actually came from ronnie Chang's live show he mm. actually talked about misinformation and saying like how his mum was also the same during pandemic and the, he was like the baby boomers did not grow up in the age the digital age they do not know how to differentiate between fake news and real news that's true it's like whatever's printed is real exactly right? yeah. whereas us we have such a great radar we look at it and we're like that's a scam you know yeah, what i mean like that's, that's a scam so like that is not real but for them like yeah they're also used to reading newspapers and stuff that when you read it it's the truth yeah right so when they go on social media they're not they don't have a radar where they're like looking for scams yeah they're like this is news <laughs> yeah we're definitely a lot more skeptical yeah. nowadays even like with my work and when we test with stuff with participants people are so like highly alert they're like you know in the age of like scams and frauds i don't want to receive text messages yeah all this kind of stuff so i think we're we're skeptics yeah right? exactly but we yeah. were lucky because we grew up in this environment so we yeah. know the nuances and the really minor details we're like that's clearly photoshopped. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, That's exactly. not true. But it's also just easy to fake things. Yeah. It's so easy. So easy. So yeah, just always kind of look at 
the source. Like, try to figure out where is this claim coming from? Is it verified? Who's saying it? What's the agenda? Mm. I think that's always an important thing to keep in mind when you're reading political news. Another thing I kind of want to ask was, I guess Australia is a multicultural country, multicultural country as we know, but there is an underrepresentation of cultural and linguistic diversity um, in the political sphere mm-hmm. and particularly evident with senior leaders in, in government. Like, has this influenced your attitude towards politics? For sure. I think not seeing, you know, Asian representation in politics growing up made me careless about it. Like, mm. I never thought about those people can relate to my story or I can relate to theirs. So there was never a reason for me to kind of care enough about it because I just didn't see a correlation between me and them. I was kind of like, they're living in, they've got their own world and I've got mine. Yeah. And I think that's a realization I came to when reflecting about this topic. But I think in more recent years, like people that I personally know going into politics has made me care a lot more about it because it's like, that's a direct connection that I have and I want to support them if I can. And I think that's just given me a whole lot more to care about now. But I still don't think there's enough representation out there. I think we've got such a long way to go. Yeah. AAP actually did a really good article on their their, um, website where they interviewed all the Asian Australian politics running for parliament. Mm -hmm. And there was so many, not so many, but like, that More I've ever than, seen, yeah, you know, that yeah. I've ever seen. There's probably like 15 or something like that, which is like not a lot, right? Yeah. But, but like more than I've ever seen growing up. So I think there is like now more attention on diverse leaders, um, which like you said, makes me want to engage more. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cool. In this next part, we want to touch on the voice referendum on the 14th of October and encourage everyone to ensure they are enrolled in vote and come with an informed decision. Regardless of who you vote for, we hope it's an educated decision and not based on fear of not knowing or shying away from the conversation. There is so many resources mm-hmm. out there that you can kind of go in and dig into. Um, so we hope you kind of take that away and yeah, go about it in your own way. But um, we hope the information we've kind of highlighted has been really helpful. Yeah, I think it's just important to do your research really and like not be swayed by headlines yeah. or like fake news and things like that. But I think what has I think what we want to spend the last part of the podcast doing is also drawing attention to exactly what we're voting for. Yeah. Like the facts, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the facts about the voice. We had a session with Noel Pearson at work and he always said start with the amendment. Like start with reading what is the proposed amendment to the constitution. Like exactly on October 14th when you go into to vote, this is what you're going to see in the box, right? Yes or no? That's as simple as it is. And then the four parts to the amendment is one, recognition. So we are voting for in recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of Australia. So it's recognizing that First Nations people were the first people to be in Australia. That's kind of the first part of the amendment that we're voting for. Second is a guarantee. There's an aspect that there shall be a body to be called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. And that's going to be built into the constitution. Um, the purpose of it is that the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice may make representations to the parliament and the executive government of the Commonwealth on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So they may make representations to the government on matters relating to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait people. And then the last part, which I think there's a lot of 
conversation around is what is the detail where is the detail mm. right and the detail i guess is the parliament shall subject to the constitution have the power to make laws with respect to matters relating to the aboriginal and torres strait islander voice including its composition powers functions and procedures so i guess the parliament the government has the the power to determine the detail of the voice mm. so i think it's important to be familiar with exactly what we're voting for. And this is the wording that we, we are going to be seeing when we go in to vote on that day. So I think it's just kind of like wanting to read that out so everyone's kind of aware of it. Yeah, because like it's, it's going to be one question, but there's obviously a lot of thinking behind it. And there's obviously a lot of like principles that come with it as well of what this is going to allow versus not allow. So I think... Um, Reading up on that is really important as well so that you know exactly what you're responding yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and rather than, like, responding to, like, you know, some people are, like, taking parts of it and, like, totally, like, dramatising it or, like, there's fake news out there, but, like, just going back to what's going to be written on that piece of paper is a good starting point. And I kind of also wanted to talk about, um, I mentioned that, like, at work we had a talk from Noel Pearson, so he's a prominent advocate in Indigenous Right and he's kind of a big... Um, voice in this campaign at the moment and there was a couple of points that when he was talking through the amendment and like what it means to first nations people that really struck a chord with me Mm -hmm. and that i kind of wanted to bring to the table like i think a couple points that really made me think is that there's over 80 percent of aboriginal and torres strait island people who are in support of the voice but only the singular individuals who are the outlier in this are getting the media attention Mm. because i think at the moment that's the no camp is getting probably leading the way yeah. in media, I would say. Um, particularly some some leaders who may not be for it and things like that. And a lot of people that I've that I've heard from going, oh, I don't know if I should vote for the I should vote for yes or no, because I hear that like First Nations people are not in support of the voice. Yeah. But that's not really true. Yeah. Because over 80% are. Mm, yeah. I think that's really important because um from what I, what I read, the no camp have two really clear leaders with a very clear message and that is what is influencing people it's not the fact that they are speaking for the majority yeah exactly aboriginal and torres strait but it's interesting too because i guess the yes camp have so many leaders who are in support but from a marketing perspective yeah it's not as it's not it's not as clear yeah yeah um and then the other point that he made that like actually made me really sad was that it's very easy to mobilize fear and hate and he was like the biggest problem is how do you market the most unloved group in australia mm. and how do you get like the 70 the 97 percent of australians to vote for the three percent which is like really sad yeah that's huge to hear like yeah. in a statement because i never really thought about it in that way in terms of like 97 percent of australia are the ones voting for you know, the outcomes of 3% yeah, of these people. exactly. Yeah. Like And, like, you know, First Nations people have been so mistreated through the history of Australia. And he just said it's just, like, so easy for people to, like, lean on the, the hate, the racism, the fear of the unknown and things like that. Yeah. And, like, all the years of, like, hatred that's built towards First Nations people. And it's just very easy to, like, use that as a way to sway, sway votes. Mm. And I think from, like, a... Um, person of color perspective as well. I think it's like really like I feel lucky to be Asian, and then like I can never even imagine what it's like to be like First Nations. Mm. So it's just like I guess something put in perspective to 
a call out to be more, I guess, empathetic in this experience and this conversation and be kind to people as well. So, um, yeah, that was one that's really struck a chord with me. Um, and then another point he made was there's no such thing as a progressive no. I think there's two kind of camps in the no camp in the, at the moment. People who are like straight out, no, do not support this. Yeah. People who who support Indigenous rights but don't feel like the voice is the answer. Mm. So they are voting no, but, you know, like yeah. no, but there's another option. Right. They are asking for other things. There's no such thing, though. But there's, that's what, yeah. at, the, at the moment, the only option we have is the voice. That yeah. is only our only chance at the moment to make a difference in Indigenous people's lives so if you even if you support their rights and you vote no, it's still a no. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as a progressive no. Yeah. There's no other option. And then in that talk, how what he the closing statement was, I guess he said, we have to ask ourselves, like the decision that we make, what are we going to be comfortable with? What will Australia look like the day after we get the results? And is it going to be a country that we're going to be proud of? Mm. I guess this is the same question that you could apply in any yeah, referendums exactly. that we've ever had, like the, the equality mm-hmm. one as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really grateful. I had the opportunity to hear Noel Pearson talk mm-hmm. and like one of my workmates, he actually was like afterwards to me, was like, he was like, Oh, I was on the fence and I thought I was going to vote no. But after listening to that, I realized that it was all misinformation. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the yes side now, right. which is like crazy. You yeah. Know? The, the power that a conversation can have. Mm. and he may have never been exposed to that if your work never took the initiative to have no peace and come in yeah exactly yeah yeah well to close uh the voice to parliament referendum is on the 14th of october and as australian and global citizens we have the privilege and responsibility to make informed voting decisions and influence politics so we encourage all of you to continue engaging with the conversations that are happening but also a reminder to be kind and empathetic to each other and yourselves during this time, because it is a really, really tense Mm -hmm. time. Um, So don't forget to look after yourselves. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.